Last week we saw in James's letter that he had concerns about the tongue, about people talking, saying all sorts of things. And if you remember, um, an example was that if you mix fresh water with salt water, you get salt water. And likewise, if you mix blessing and cursing, what you get is a pretty negative result. And moving on into uh, the, the next part of chapter 3, which is verses 13 to 18, we can actually see that, that he was proposing, he was talking about a solution to this problem of the tongue. And uh, not just to the tongue, but to much more besides. In chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And then in verse 13, it starts off with the question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, we'll actually come back to the uh, question in just a minute, but I just want to ask you to, to, to uh, think, um, can you recognize wisdom? Uh, if you hear wisdom, can you recognize when it's uh, being, being spoken? Uh, or better still, could you actually describe what is wisdom? Actually, Paul did say one of the two things which, which lead you towards certainly an answer. Um, it, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking for answers out aloud. But sometimes it's easier to know wisdom in hindsight. You can look back and say, oh, yes, that was the right decision. Or that wasn't the right decision, uh, as the case may be. So it's looking backwards. And again, it's perhaps easier to talk to, to, to point to particular examples. And we're all familiar with uh, Solomon uh, in 1 Kings 3, the story about the two mothers, both coming to Solomon, both claiming the same baby, and Solomon's solution. Very simple, uh, bring me a sword and we'll cut it in two. And, of course, one mother says, well, that's all right. If I can't have it, neither of us will. The other one says, no, uh, give it to the, to, to the other woman rather than kill it. And that was what Solomon was looking for. Was, uh, he, he was able to discern then which of the two mothers was the real one. Um, James is talking about wisdom in this particular passage. He's not talking about knowledge. Paul talked about reading this lot and gaining knowledge. Uh, but there's more to it than that. Uh, he's not referring to common sense. We all uh, perhaps have some uh, level of common sense, greater or lesser, a bit variable perhaps. Um, and common sense isn't necessarily always scriptural. Um, often consists of very simple truths. Uh, and as an example, children's wisdom is very often fairly simple truths. Patrick, age 10, never trust a dog to watch your food. Now, we, we, we can attest to that. Um, when, you, when your dad is angry and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer. Never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. I'm not quite sure where, what happened there. But. Now, an, another truth that parents... All parents will know in some variety, some form or another, is you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Now, I'm sure 
most people with children have, have um, that they, they have tried not to eat something at some time or another and various attempts uh, at, at hiding it. If you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse, a, a, a very well-known one. Never baptize a cat. I'm not sure where that one came from. We think of the saying, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. It's sort of a well-known phrase. But, you know, that in turn comes from Psalm 8, verse 2. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. Actually, almost any statement of fact is knowledge in some way or another. The difference is really, uh, again, and I think Paul alluded to it very much, is that knowledge is knowing something. On its own, it's simply a fact. And there's nothing much you can do with it. Um, many of you will know that, that, that knowing a, a, um, a tomato is a fruit is knowledge. Wisdom is understanding the knowledge and knowing what to do with it. It's applying it. And wisdom is not putting a tomato in fruit salad. For example, it's discerning when knowledge is being misused just as much as uh, knowing how to use it. Over the past two, three months or more, we have heard lies, extreme lies, and statistics. And really, you need to be able to, when you hear something in the media, just be able to say to yourself, does that feel right? Is that right? And... uh, that, that is just as much wisdom uh, as anything else. But let's get back to James's letter. The question in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? And I wonder if a few of his readers would have thought to themselves at this point, who's wise and understanding? I'm wise. I'm understanding. Uh, I'm a leader of, of people. Uh, and, and, and perhaps he's talking about me. But James immediately knocks that down. He answers his own question, who is wise and understanding, by going on, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done. And uh, deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And his answer is essentially that if anyone has pride in thinking themselves wise... This is a sort of a circular argument. Their lack of humility says that they're not wise. And uh, the verse refers to the humility that comes from wisdom. The message version puts it like this. It says, here's what you do. Live well. Live wisely. Live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way that talk that you talk that counts. Just going back a bit, chapter 1, verse 19, says, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. But the quick to listen and slow to speak is, the, uh, is related to the, to the, uh, the way you, you talk that um, comes in there. Both Abraham Lincoln and Mark Twain are credited with saying... Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. (laughs) Long before them, and indeed long before James wrote his letter, Proverbs 17, 28, says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. 
and discerning if he holds his tongue. So uh, that, as a saying, has been around a very long time, and it's, it's good, straight, biblical. So we have verse 13, which talks about it being the way you live and not the way you talk that counts. And if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, this is addressing some of the problems which uh, we heard about last week, the problems of the tongue. Now, verses 14 to 16 go on to point out some of the other problems that were evidently occurring among the, uh, the young church, amongst the Jewish Christians who James was addressing his letter to. And uh, the, the message version, we, we heard about envy, bitter envy and selfish ambition. Message version puts it like this. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourselves sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning. It's devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everybody ends up at one another's throats. So James is actually talking about two different kinds of wisdom. He's talking about earthly and human wisdom, which leads to all of these problems, but he's also talking uh, about um, godly wisdom as well, spiritual wisdom. And uh, of earthly wisdom then, he says it's from the devil. And in, in verse 16, and uh, sorry, in verse 15, verse 16 says, and there you will find disorder in every evil practice. And the, the, the opposite to that, verses 17 and 18, talk about the main characteristics of godly wisdom. And I just want to spend uh, a few minutes dwelling a bit more on thinking about some of the sources and the characteristics of godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And just thinking, uh, to start with, about earthly wisdom uh, and where does it come from and so on. Well, firstly, it, 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 it's worldly. And we know from Romans 12, too, that we're warned against being conformed to the pattern of this world. It's wisdom by the world's standards. And then it's led by feelings. It's what feels right. You know, and this is, this is a really sort of modern liberal attitude, isn't it? If it feels right, it must be all right. You can do it. Um, it. It appeals to the senses and emotions. But just because something feels right, of course, by earthly standards, it certainly doesn't mean that it's right by God's standards. And James 3 says that such wisdom does not come, as we've already heard, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. In other words, it, it's uh, thinking that finds its origins in Satan's influence. Actually, if you think about those three, that was um, worldly, led by feelings, and demonic. Where have you heard those three words before described in a very slightly different way? Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, uh, there's a, a section, but essentially it talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's a phrase that we're, we're many of us familiar with. And they're all related there to, um, to this, this uh, earthly wisdom. It's rooted in jealousy 
Um, bitter envy was the phrase from the NIV. It has self at its heart. It's self-seeking, selfish ambition. And envy and, and jealousy of this sort lead to uh, power-seeking, very often at the expense of others. It leads to favoritism and discrimination, which uh, James has talked about before in chapter 2. It's looking for kudos, for lording it over others, for self-aggrandizement, all these sorts of problems, false pride, which, which we see so often, um, dare I say it in the media, uh, with some politicians... Um, just purely as an aside, got nothing to do directly with wisdom, but it was just a thought that suddenly occurred to me. You know that of the two, of the lot of candidates for the Conservative leadership, two of them, at least, are committed Christians. And worth just bearing that in mind in your prayers sometimes. Um, I can't remember his first name, Crabbe. Stephen Crabb and Andrea Leeson, uh, who's a member of the Bible study uh, group in, in the House of Commons. An aside, but um, you know, there are so many people are looking to, to lord it over others and say, um, look how wonderful I am. But Romans 12 says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And perhaps sometimes we see a lot of people who seem to think of themselves more highly than they ought. Earthly wisdom is insidious. It can creep in anywhere. Even among the twelve, during the Last Supper, it crept in. Luke 22, verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So if it can creep into the apostles at the Last Supper... Then, then it's something we really do need to be wary of. And it can lead to rebellion, of course, spiritual rebellion, and the ultimate rebellion being that of Satan and his followers. Evil produces confusion. On the other hand, God brings harmony and wisdom. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And in the confusion and disorder which uh, was being brought about evidently in the young church, James wanted his readers to set aside their disagreements and envy. And that's why he also then wrote about godly wisdom. So if we have a quick look at some of the aspects of godly wisdom a bit more, well, firstly, fairly obviously, comes from God. Psalm uh, 111 Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. And then Proverbs 15, fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. And actually, there are many other places in, in Scripture talking about wisdom. If you look at Proverbs, the first four chapters particularly, uh, the, the, there's, there's a lot of the verses in there which talk about wisdom. Now, secondly, so it comes from God. Secondly, it comes through prayer, and we'll just touch on this again a little bit later. But James 1, uh, five, uh, verses 5 to 8, includes... Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
You should ask God who gives generously to all. And as I say, we'll come back to that in a few minutes. And James describes the characteristics which come from godly wisdom in which he wants that young church that he's writing to, to display. And uh, if we just take a little bit more of a look at verses 17 to 18, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's almost a bit like the the list of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? In in some ways, we've got a a list here of of good attributes of uh, godly wisdom. But where else have we perhaps seen a list that's a bit reminiscent of this one? Well, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. So just going through those, firstly, it says heavenly wisdom is, first of all, pure. It's free from defilement, it's untainted, and Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Heavenly wisdom is peace-loving. It has the spirit of tranquility and calmness. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. It's considerate. The message, and one or two other Bibles, use the word gentle when it's talking of others, so considerate gentle and Galatians 5 22 says the fruit of the spirit includes kindness and gentleness that's that's being considerate it's submissive there's another word in James there 1 Peter 2 23 submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men and so Matthew 5 5 blessed are the meek and it's full of mercy Matthew 5 7 Blessed are the merciful. Knowing something of the origin of earthly wisdom and godly wisdom, and knowing something of their natures and characteristics, actually should help us. It should enable us and encourage us to know and seek the right course of action when needed. When you're faced with a decision, step back and think to yourselves and pray about it and, and work out which is the, the, the godly course of action, the one that he would want. Just because a, a course of action seems reasonable and isn't overtly evil, obviously, does not automatically mean that it's God's will. For instance, in Genesis 11, it says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. It actually adds, so that we may make a name for ourselves. So immediately, it's almost a giveaway remark, that one, selfish ambition has crept in there. And clearly, that wasn't God's will. And uh, in 1 Samuel, Saul thinks David needs to be clad in his own tunic And his armor, that wasn't God's plan. A man coming out dressed in armor was not what God wanted to to show. He wanted to show uh, a a totally different picture of David as being the shepherd boy. And uh, when, when they put Saul's armor and tunic on... 
David could barely move, so he took it off again. And uh, Saul's armor was clearly not God's will there. When uh, verse 13 refers to doing deeds and the humility that comes from wisdom, this is perhaps building now on James's earlier parts of the letter. And we can see in chapter 3 that he is telling us to show our faith in applying godly wisdom in our lives and the way we're seen by others. And uh, earlier in James 1, uh, in particular, in, the, in our Bibles, is headed listening and doing. And verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. So we've seen some differences between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And why godly wisdom is so much more to be sought than worldly wisdom. And I just want to end with uh, briefly thinking about the next step, what you, what you should do next. Proverbs 16, verse 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding than silver? How much better to get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? That's the next step. Well, the first step in getting wisdom is to desire godly wisdom with all your might. Proverbs 4.8 says, Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you for your embrace. And to prize something highly and to embrace something and, and, and someone, signs of, of intense desire and love like that. Wisdom must be valuable for us. It's not something to be cast off by replacing it with easy earthly wisdom. Proverbs 2.4 says, Seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. So, firstly, desire it. Secondly, and this is why I'm so glad that Paul left this pile here of books. Earthly wisdom, or sorry, godly wisdom, is found in the word of God. And we must apply ourselves in study and meditation to know the word and do it. Psalm uh, 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And it does require regular reading and study of God's word. Now, I'm sure that everybody, well, certainly the older ones amongst us, will have at least two versions of the Bible at home. I say at least two because when I was small... Um, I suppose I had a copy of J.B. Phillips' New Testaments given to me, and I looked up the date the other day, 1950-something or another. But other than that, you had the King James Version, and that was it. So anyone who's older will have the King James Version and then may have one, two, three, several other versions of the Bible. Margaret and I knew uh, a... a a chap in a very large church in Bedford, uh, Bedfordshire, who would read through a different version of the Bible every year. Now, if you go online to Bible Gateway, you can find quite a long list of Bibles. So you could do this too if you wanted. But um, as I say, he read through a different version every year. And of all the elders in that church, he was the one 
who I think we would see as having, by a long way, the greatest depth of quiet, gentle Christian wisdom. Lovely man. How fast do you read in words per minute? Do you have any idea? And do you know how many words there are in the Bible? Well, in the, in the King James, uh, it, it's got 783,137 words. And most people read at about 200 words per minute, give or take uh, a little bit. So if you take an average across several different versions of the Bible, say 785,000, that's about 4,000 minutes. 15 minutes spent with the Bible per day is around 270 days. So um, not a big hassle, actually, to read the Bible through in a year. Uh, And with only 270 days, you've got time to read quite a number of the other books here as well. Third thing you do to get wisdom is pray. And we've mentioned this earlier. In uh, 1 Kings 3, Solomon prayed. And and, and Solomon, of course, is the epitome of wisdom in, in many ways. I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And he goes on to say that the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this and said, I will do what you have asked and I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So Solomon wasn't born wise. He recognized his deep need and prayed for it. And... uh, We we saw earlier in James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who generously gives to all. We are not born with godly wisdom. It is a gift of God given in response to our desire and request. And finally, there is one last thing, absolutely essential if you would get wisdom. We must come to Jesus. Desiring wisdom, studying And asking God for wisdom in themselves are not enough. And in Matthew 12, uh, 42, he said to the people of his day, this is Jesus, said the Queen of the South came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. What a fantastic statement. Greater than Solomon in wisdom indeed. Solomon spoke God's wisdom, but Jesus is God's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 30 is, is well worth reading, but just picking out one or two little verses uh, amongst it. Uh, but for those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And then, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The wisdom of the world regards the word of the cross as foolishness, and so leads men away from the cross. The reason the wisdom of men regards the cross of folly, is that human wisdom is the use of the mind to achieve and maintain pride. 
But faith in the crucified Christ is death to pride and is giving up of all the grounds for boasting except one. So forgive us, Lord, if we should boast, save in the cross of Christ our Lord. Amen.